Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Happy Mother's Day. Why, thank you. Have you had a good day so far? I've had a good day. We started off with Ellie-Ann this morning. That's always a good way to start the day. Yep, Jacob came over here and the two of you went running and I got the rough duty of playing with sweet baby Ellie-Ann. Mm-hmm. She's pretty sweet. Yes, she is. Then we went and got my mom. She was doing good. Went to church and it was good. Church was good? Yep. And then we brought mom here and... Bethany and Jacob and Shelby and Eliane were all here, so it was nice to have everyone together. Yeah. Speaking of having everyone together, we have a group text message for the five of us. <laughs> we s- suddenly morphed into something different today. And I don't often contribute to that text messaging. I guess I just don't text message a whole lot. But I was looking for it today because I was going to order our lunch before church and I found it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a special name so I can find it. So I went in on my iPhone, and I called it Family. <laughs> and when I was giving it a name, I noticed that I could also add a picture. So I looked through my phone, and I don't keep a lot of pictures on my phone. I have them synced to the cloud, and then I delete them off my phone. But I did have a picture of me and Ellie, a selfie that I took when she was sitting in my lap a couple weeks ago. And so I cropped it so it was just her face and used that for our family group text. What I didn't know (laughs) was that everybody was going to see the name and picture that I had created for the family (laughs) group text. So we know who you consider family. Ellie Ann. So the group text has the... Four others besides myself on the outside and a big picture of Ellie Ann right in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) For which I immediately commented. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. So before Ellie Ann came over and I went for a run with our son Jacob, I got up early and went for a bike ride. And it was nice. It was a little bit windy, but I just took it easy. It was just good to be outside rolling along on two wheels. Much better when the wind was at my back, but I had fun. Yeah, while you were out on that bike ride, I met Bethany and Mitzi. I hadn't run with Mitzi in a while, so it was good to catch up with her. And I just had an easy 45 minutes, and they both had a 40-minute run with, I think, a maybe an eight-minute threshold workout. Mm-hmm. So they uh, went so fast, I lost sight of them. Wow. They, but they came back and got me. Training with friends. That's right. So it was good to run with those two this morning. And it was a little bit windy, but we beat the rain. So that was nice. Yeah, me and Jacob got a little bit wet near the end. And he ran a little bit longer than I did. So he ended up getting drenched. It was all good. No lightning. (laughs) Speaking of Jacob, later today when they were here for lunch and hanging out for Mother's Day, 
Eliane has this chair that I guess was yours when you were little. I don't know. I don't know where that chair came from. <laughs> it came from your house where you grew up. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I don't remember it as a child. Any anyway, Jacob had his head propped up in that chair. It's the Weenie the Pooh chair. Yeah, as a he was using it as a pillow. So Ellie-Ann comes over and she's kind of pushing around on his head a little bit and he's not getting the hint that she wants to sit in the chair. So she just takes a handful of his hair and just lifts his head (laughs) right up out of that chair. Of course, he still didn't know what was going on. And Bethany and I were like, we think the baby wants the chair. So he sat up and she sat in it and we all got a good laugh. It's pretty awesome being a grandparent. Yes, it is. That's for sure. So, we could talk about that all day, but since we are a coaching team of endurance athletes, we probably ought to start talking a little bit about, I don't know, our sport. Okay. <laughs> what you got today, coach? Well, have you ever noticed how most people, when they post on social media, they're talking about the good things in life? And 99% of the time, yes. Yeah, sometimes people open up and share their struggles, but that's pretty rare. I was thinking about this in the context of endurance racing. We often remember and talk about our best race experiences, but we don't often share when things don't go as planned. You and I, we've had our fair share of races uh, that didn't go well and our fair share of races that went really well. But in this podcast... I want to focus on registration (laughs) instead of racing. So here's what we're going to discuss today. What are some of the race registration woes that you have experienced or that you've heard from others? And what can we share with our listeners to help them avoid registration woes? Does that sound like a good topic? Let's roll with it. All right, here we go. So one of the challenging aspects of long distance endurance sports is the limited number of events. Another is the length of time it takes to prepare for a big race. Most people only train and race in one or two, maybe three races per year. And with the increase in popularity of endurance sports, we have to plan many months in advance and register early to avoid missing out because popular races fill up. So we got the idea for this podcast because recently, one of our athletes sent a text message saying that Ironman Muncie 70.3 had filled up. And my immediate thought was, well, I am really glad we had already discussed this and that he has already registered. So we thought. <laughs> but Muncie is five months out at this point, And my first thought was, well, that's great. I'm glad that we're back to racing. People are excited about signing up. And then, like you, I got to thinking, hmm, when we agreed that Muncie was going to be the A race, did he sign up? <laughs> My dad always taught me, never assume. Yeah. I had assumed. I had to. (laughs) So you asked him. Yeah, I texted back and asked if he was already signed up. And his response was, no, I was waiting until later in the training to make sure I didn't get injured. Which makes sense, except for races sell out. (laughs) There's always a risk that something's going to come up or you're going to develop an injury. And we've had our fair share of both of those occurrences. But I completely understand wanting to wait. It, it is really frustrating to sign up 
and train for a big event and then not be able to compete for one reason or the other. But it is also frustrating when you find out your event is full. So I went into problem solving mode and started looking for alternative 70.3 races in October. And I found one the following day, October 3rd, and it's about the same distance away from his hometown for the cost of $150, which is less than half the price of the standard entry fee for an Ironman 70.3. And this one is the Atomic Man half distance triathlon outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. But before I could respond, he had signed up for Muncie under the Ironman Community Fund for $600. He was looking for a flat, fast 70.3, and he had raced Muncie before, so he knew what to expect, and he had his heart set on it. That's what we decided when uh, we first started talking about his next big race. The Atomic Man 70.3 would be hilly compared to Muncie and unfamiliar. So we understand wanting to race a specific race, and we also understand the prestige that Ironman events have. Yeah, the Ironman brands, kind of like in marathons, the world major, like they just have a draw to them and an excitement around them that some of the other not-so-well-known events have. Yeah, I was at a local 5K race just yesterday. I was talking with a runner who expressed an interest in doing an Ironman, and he said, I want to finish an Ironman so I can hear them say, You are an Ironman. You pay for that Mike Riley voice, don't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't have anything negative to say, really. It's a, it's a brand. They've done well with it, and people enjoy racing their events. So, have at it. Yeah, and they do a really good job with organization. We've been really pleased at all the Ironman events we've participated in. Yeah, it's the ones that we haven't been able to participate in that we've been a little bit less pleased with their customer service. But it's it's in the fine print. It's all out there. It's a business trying to make money. Yes. So we talked about Ironman. Mm-hmm. But some of our favorite triathlons were not Ironman brand. Of course, Kona is my favorite, but there is a small 70.3 in Kingston, Tennessee called Storm the Fort that I raced once before and had a great experience, and, and you did the Olympic distance. I think you like hadn't even planned on doing it, but we brought your bike along, and then you just like signed up the day before. Well, when I got there and looked at the course and my options to spectate your biking it became clear I wasn't going to be able to get out there and see you on the bike. There weren't any logical ways to do that. So I thought, well, I may as well do a short distance and then I can be available to cheer him on the run. So yeah, we uh, signed up the day before. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate to have a spouse who is also an endurance athlete. (laughs) Most days. The, The name of the race, Storm the Fort, is fitting for the course. The run course is two loops. At the end of each loop, you run up a winding path to the top of a hill where an 18th century fort resides. It's a long, tough climb twice, and the second time up, you go to the finish line. And I remember having a really good race in Kingston. I remember seeing you at the bottom of the hill <laughs> on the two laps. What's so funny? Because I can remember just saying, storm the fort. Yeah. I remember that too, now that you 
say something about it. But you were at the bottom of the hill, and you inspired me to storm the fort. <laughs> so I, I raced up the hill both times. And on the second lap, I had a burst of excitement and energy climbing that hill. And don't you love it when you get your second win late in a race? That's a pretty good feeling. As I approached the top of the hill and knew the finish line was close, I saw a man ahead of me. And like a guided missile, I had my sights on him and I gave it my all. Did you beat him? I passed him just before the finish line. <laughs> just like the Peloton often does to the breakaway. <sighs> right before the finish line. That's, that's heartbreaking. And then when the award ceremony took place, I learned that I had won my age division and the person I had passed was second. It was a great experience and the award was really cool. It was a miniature... Civil War cannon. I'm going to say the miniature Civil War cannon was much larger for the half distance than it was for my race. My cannon is much smaller than yours. Yeah. I also remember getting a Storm the Fort water bottle, a Storm the Fort shirt, and a pair of socks. Yeah, the swag was good. Swag was good. So this race still exists, and it's being held on August 28th this year, 2021. And the cost right now is $100. Not too bad for a half distance. Not too bad, especially if you get all that swag. And a cannon, maybe. <laughs> One of my other favorite small triathlons was the Cutting Edge 70.3 in Effingham, Illinois. It doesn't look like this event still exists anymore, but my point is... There are other great races besides Ironman, and they are often less expensive. Is that race the race where you cross the finish line first, but then at awards you got second overall? I think you're right. I had forgotten about that. Yes, I think you started in a swim in an early swim wave, and the winner had started in a different age group. He was much younger, started behind you, so he crossed the finish line behind you, but his overall time was slightly faster. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that now. I, um, I had forgotten that. And, you know, what would the race have been like if we had started in the same swim wave? Exactly. Could have been the duel in the sun. Because it, <laughs> it was hot both years we went to cutting edge. Well, it was exciting to see you around that corner and cross the finish line in first place. And then a little shocking when you got second at the awards, but all was good. It was all good. It was a good day. So I was going to ask you, Paula, tell us about your favorite non-Ironman triathlon. So hands down, my favorite triathlon, Ironman brand or not, is the Great Floridian Triathlon in Claremont, Florida. So I signed up for this race for two reasons. The first reason is, and I think we've mentioned before, our hometown is pretty flat. So the first reason I signed up was because, I mean, it's Florida. Florida's flat. Of course, Florida <laughs> is flat. I mean, had we ever been anywhere in Florida where there had been a hill other than an overpass? No. Okay, so that was the first reason I signed up. But the second reason I signed up, and this is the reason that it's my favorite race is because the distance was true one-third iron distances in each event. The swim was actually one-third of an iron distance swim. Yeah, so they had the swim, bike, and run courses designed as loops. And so if you're doing the one-third distance, 
you do one loop. If you're doing the two-thirds distance, you do two of each loop. And if you're doing the full, you do three of each loop. It's a pretty cool concept. Right. And I love the ratio of the swim to the bike to the run being the same as the iron distance and the half iron distance races, yet the training cycle doesn't have to be quite as intense because it's overall shorter race. So I love the ratio. And we search high and low every year looking for this concept of trying to find those one-third iron distances. They are few and far between. So I was super excited about the distance and the ratio of swim to bike to run. But then started doing a little bit of research and evidently Clearmont is an anomaly in Florida because it has all the hills. Or at least it has one very serious hill. Well, Sugarloaf Mountain, like there are... Did you know there were mountains in Florida? Well, I mean, I guess Sugarloaf Mountain is considered a mountain for Florida. I'm pretty sure the the riders of the Tour de France would not consider... They'd probably consider it a speed bump, but I mean, it was a legit... It was a legit hill. Yeah, I drove up and down it a few times. Yeah. So I had kind of prepared for that. We have a hill that's of similar grade, but not near the length, within riding distance of our house. So I biked that on a number of occasions, getting ready for this race. But what I really was surprised about were the number of climbs actually getting to Sugarloaf. So it was an extremely challenging fair, hilly, and fun course. And I had a little bit of anxiety, but when I got to the top of Sugarloaf Mountain, I think I had a tear or two. It was so exciting to get to the top. (laughs) What if you were doing the full distance and you had to go up Sugarloaf Mountain two more times? I would have had to have had a much more intense training cycle. (laughs) But the race was extremely well organized. The bike course was safe. It was challenging. You would definitely want to train on hills. The swim was definitely a fair swim. It was it was a lake. There was no current. There was quite a bit of turbulence in the water, I guess, because there were a lot of boats out that day. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was newer at swimming still, and I it was a U-shape, and I swam it wide. So I probably swam an extra one or 200 yards, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was probably my favorite. Yeah, one of the things I remember about that race is my Sherpa duties. So you and your friend Liz flew down to Florida, and I drove your bicycles down to Florida (laughs) and back. You were a good Sherpa. That's what Sherpas do. (laughs) What I remember is when I was sighting, coming on the turn back toward the shore and headed back toward shore, (laughs) I could see you standing on the dock, which was... I don't know, a good 25 yards wide of where the buoys were, and you were pointing, the exit's over there. <laughs> the exit, I'm like, oh no, I don't know why I'm swimming extra. <laughs> I did it to stay away from the people, but I've learned now it's better to just get in the mix and swim the shortest distance. I think swimming is your favorite. You do? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably my least favorite of the three disciplines. Yeah, but you do okay at it. Yeah. Anyway, that was a fun race. So thinking about running races, I've run some big ones, and I've run some small ones, and you have as well. The St. Jude Half and Full Marathon in Memphis are great races. The uh, Memphis used to have 
rolling hills, but it seems to be a lot more hilly now. I guess, they, I don't know when they changed the course, but the last time we went, it was quite hilly. And it's so neat to run through the hospital campus and see the young patients cheering. It's very inspiring. And that's one of the great things about the local Wendell Foster Half Marathon that's so special. The course runs past their campus, and the residents, the families, the employees, the volunteers, they're also encouraging to all the runners as they pass by. Yeah, it's nice when we can enjoy our hobby, and the biggest portion of the entry fees are going to support kids or a good cause. So it's just that just adds a layer of meaning to the experience. Yeah. The Tunnel Light Marathon in Snoqualmie, Washington is another small race that was a blast. It has a gradual 1% decline for the first 20 miles, and then it's flat for the final 10K. And the two times we were at that course, it was rainy, so it's Washington. You just have to expect you're going to get wet. Yes, it's right outside. It's like a suburb of Seattle, so lots of rain. Lots of rain. The course is mostly a trail that looks like tire tracks from a vehicle. And in the rain, the tracks form puddles. So I remember skipping from side to side, from the grass to the center, to the other side in the grass, dodging the puddles. But it was fine. The scenery was beautiful out in the forest. And at the beginning, the course goes through a a two-mile train tunnel that is completely black and cold. Former train tunnel. Former train tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to give anyone the impression of a Roadrunner cartoon where we may splat into the front <laughs> of a train while we're running this race. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but running through the tunnel was neat, but it was a little bit scary. I was worried I was going to twist an ankle. And, I, of course, we both had headlamps on, which worked great. But I was still a little bit nervous. But if you're looking for a fast... BQ course. This is a good place to race. The Tunnel Light Marathon is in September and the Jack and Jill Marathon is in July. And that's where your PR took place, isn't it? Yes. So if you're willing to participate in a smaller race, there are lots of options and there are several websites to find marathons or half marathons or triathlons. And some of these sites include comments from past athletes So you can gain an insight into the race and how well it is organized. So I thought I would just go through a short list of some of those websites and maybe you have some others that that you use as well. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder, but can I share my favorite? Yeah, go ahead. My favorite is called Find My Marathon. Is that one on your list? It's on my list, but go ahead. We'll start with that one. Okay. So the reason that this is my favorite is because if the races have a history, it shows the number of finishers each year, the number of Boston qualifiers this year, and then it rates the course as far as is this a fast course? Is this a flat course? Is this what's your probability of Boston qualifying in this course? And anyway, I just think it's an extremely helpful website. You can search by that score of is it a good BQ potential race? You can search by city. You can search by state. You you can tell I've used this site a lot. You can search by month. So I don't know. I haven't looked at the site recently with so many cancellations but so i don't know if it stayed current but in a typical year 
It's a wealth of information. Yeah, that is a really good website for finding your next marathon. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go through my list. Let's start with tryfind.com. And this is where I found the Atomic Man 70.3. The site lets you search for triathlons by distance, by state, by year, and by month. So that's a good place to look. There's also trysignup or runsignup.com. It's really the same site, but one starts filtering towards triathlons, where the other one is more broad for triathlons and all kinds of other events. You can find marathons, you can find half marathons, and all distances of triathlons. You pick the type of event, and you enter a range of distance like 70 to 75 miles to find a half distance triathlon. That's a good place to look. There's also runningintheusa.com, and this has running and triathlon races. While looking at this site, preparing for this podcast, I stumbled on the 3D USA Multisport Festival, which is May 15th, 2021, in Selma, Indiana, which is just outside of Muncie, Indiana. And I just thought that was a coincidence since we started off this podcast talking about Muncie, Indiana. But this event, the uh, 3D USA Multisport Festival, it has triathlon distances from sprint to Olympic to 70.3. So we may need to check this one out at some point. And I believe it was much less expensive than the Ironman event as well. I stumbled upon another site, findarace.com. But this one is really focused on races in and around Great Britain. Oh. So we don't have any plans to do any races in Great Britain right now. Someday. And you've already mentioned findmymarathon.com. There's also marathonguide.com. And this is really the first site that I remember using early in my marathon career. And it's a great resource for finding comments about races. But there are lots of ways to find races besides the big name races. There are some races that are just really difficult to get into. So you and I, we hope to compete in all six Abbott World Marathon major events. So although we're not looking to run in Great Britain right now, someday. Uh, So the world majors are Boston, Chicago, New York, London, Tokyo, and Berlin. And you and I already have qualifying times that should be good enough for Boston 22. And we have deferred entries to Chicago and New York. The registration for the overseas races is tricky. Two of our athletes are farther along in this journey than we are, so we'll be looking to them for suggestions on getting into London, Tokyo, and Berlin. But that's probably a podcast for another day. I think we could do a whole podcast on how to get into the... World majors. The world majors. Six stars. So we started this podcast off talking about missing out on Ironman Muncie and having to pay a small fortune to get in. But you and I have had our fair share of registration woes also. What? What are you talking about? (laughs) We've had our fair share. I mean, everything's just smooth sailing in the Roberts household. So tell us about Augusta 2016. Augusta 2016. Okay. So my friend Kelly and I signed up in January because... Augusta is an Ironman brand, and it's a half, so we signed up in January. And it occurs in September. It was to occur September 24th, 2016. Well, in a 
February of that same year, after I had registered, my son Jacob proposed to his then girlfriend Shelby, and she said yes. <laughs> and we're so glad she did. And we're so glad she did. So obviously, I was extremely excited about this news and happy for both of them. But as Kelly and I were training and running, we would kind of jokingly say, oh, you just watch. They'll have that wedding the weekend of September 24th. And I'm like, oh, what are the odds of that? (laughs) Well, guess what? I know what. (laughs) My son and daughter-in-law celebrate their anniversary every year on September 24th. Yeah. So anyway, that registration fee was a great donation to Iron Man. And I will say I had a little beef with them because actually the race was not September 24th. If my memory serves me correctly, it was the next day, September 25th. So I asked them if after the wedding, could I drive on down there, which was going to be a stretch because what, is that a good six hours from here or more? Augusta, Georgia is probably closer to 10 or 11 hours. Oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I'd ask, well, if I can have someone else set me up in transition, get my bike checked in on Saturday because Kelly was going to be there. It's probably closer to eight hours. Could I, you know, come after the wedding, drive through the night, get there on Sunday and race, which obviously it wouldn't have been best conditions because I would have been exhausted after the wedding. But they said, no, you have to check in yourself and check in your own bike. No exceptions. Not even the boy getting married. (laughs) No exceptions. And then there was another race that was a weekend before or a weekend after that. They would not let me transfer to that race. So I really did try to work with them. or I really did try to get them to work with me to not just lose the registration fee. But anyway, it was a sunk cost. So you were proactive. You signed up early. It just didn't work out. (laughs) so that was a story on you Uh, for me knowing how quickly Ironman events fill up I signed up for Louisville 2016 that same year way back in maybe December it was early and it was going to be my backup race in case I did not Kona qualify at Texas in May but thankfully I qualified and Obviously, I wasn't going to go to Louisville because I was going to be in Hawaii. So, Louisville was a bust. Hey. Hey, what would you have done if they scheduled the wedding Kona week instead of Augusta week? (laughs) I would have had to have gone to my son and daughter-in-law's wedding. Yeah, I think they were aware of your Kona race. Well, no, they weren't aware of your Kona race. Because you hadn't even qualified yet. No. They did take their honeymoon the same week that we were in Kona. I know. And Jacob still gives us a hard time for not taking him to Hawaii with us. He was invited. He was invited. (laughs) But I believe them going on a honeymoon somewhere separate was probably a good call. It's probably a good call. Continuing on with my registration woes. After you had qualified for Boston, which... You had been working for for a really long time. I wanted to experience Boston with you the first time that you go. And so after you had a qualifying time, 
I just had to get a qualifying time of my own. And I had been focusing on triathlons, so I, I didn't have a recent marathon qualifying time. I started looking and found a race, but I was struggling with an injury. I was diagnosed with a stress reaction, which I still think is a diagnosis that we really don't know why you're having pain. <laughs> it's like, I realize it hurts and I don't see anything on the x-ray or MRI, so we're just going to say there's some stress going on there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the leg was stressed. But being stubborn, I've got a stubborn side too. I know you've got a little stubborn side also. But sometimes I'm stubborn too. Went ahead and signed up for the Rebel Mount Hood Marathon outside of Portland, Oregon. And because of my injury and because of the crazy downhill start, I quickly had to DNF. Then I signed up for a very flat course, the last chance to BQ in Geneva, Illinois. And I made it about one of the eight laps and my injury was still giving me fits. So I had to DNF. <laughs> Man, you have really cost us some bucks. And then <laughs> we went out to Snoqualmie, Washington, which we've already talked about. In now, July. So when we went in July, I was signed up to run, and I was still dealing with this injury. You and Bethany and a friend, Suzanne, had awesome races, but I just didn't even start. Get you a night job, paying for all these <laughs> entry fees. So we've lost out on some entry fees to some of these races, but even though some of these were pretty nice getaways, I remember hiking the mountains after the uh, race in Snoqualmie. I was able to walk pretty good. <laughs> I remember that too. But you three ladies trying to hike the day after your marathon, we got some good pictures. It was beautiful. Mount Rainier, is that what it was? I think it was. It was beautiful. But it wasn't so easy for those with marathon legs. So we've learned over the years that our endurance sport hobby can be quite the joy, but it can be time-consuming, and it can be expensive. I think it's like anything else. You have to create a budget and decide what you can comfortably put toward that hobby and then work within that. Yeah. So having said all this, you know, training, it takes patience and consistency, but signing up for races sometimes takes quick action, but there are risks that you won't be able to compete. But if you opt for smaller races, you can often wait until closer to the race date before committing. Sure, you may have to pay a slightly higher price, but it's unlikely that the price will double, as in the case with Ironman Muncie 70.3. But whether it's a huge major event or a tiny local event, it's such a joy to toe the line, test our fitness, and experience the thrill with other endurance athletes. So we always like to share a scripture in our podcasts, and as I was preparing for this podcast, the scripture that came to me relates to getting with your neighbor when you need help instead of a family member who may be a long way away. It's Proverbs 27, verse 10. It says, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother 
who is far away. And I guess what made me think of this scripture is if you do some research, you may be able to find a small local race rather than only being focused on the the big brand name races. And in, in reality, you know, we're fortunate that our family lives really close. And I know my brother and sister would do whatever was needed if we were in a pinch. And they're not far away. But we've got neighbors across the street. We've got neighbors next door. If something really urgent happened, hopefully we could count on them to lend us a hand. And vice versa. We are there for our neighbors as well. If you would like to be part of the conversation, feel free to find us on Facebook. Search for RYR Endurance Team, and we'll let you into our closed group. And if you would like to suggest a podcast topic, or if you have comments about a podcast, feel free to post that in the group. And we look forward to interacting with you. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.